0: Welcome to the DJE podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. welcome to the podcast. We've got something a little bit different for you today where I will actually be interviewed on a podcast. So sitting on the other side of the table, but we've gotten some feedback that, uh, that folks like hearing those. So we're going to start to include some of those in these DJE podcast posts. So let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy the uh, episode. Thanks. But through that and being very compelled to kind of buy that ranch personally for the family, developed a great relationship with that broker and right after we bought our ranch i said hey you know could we buy one of these and and then sell it for a profit you know if we bought 100 acres well not everybody wants to buy 100 acres somebody might want to buy 25 acres and they'll be pay, they'll be willing to pay more per acre for smaller and you know we got a real salesman uh, on board with our broker and he's like absolutely let's do some deals
1: This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Well, as an entrepreneur, you know, in your career, you're going to have to pivot many times, right? You have to get creative. And that's oftentimes where where people shine, right? As a business owner, you're going to hear today, we're back again with our guest, Devin Elder, how he has done that in their business and how they pivoted in a couple of ways. And added value to their investors uh, as well, or continued to add value to their investors and their team and to grow uh, in ways that I have not heard really many other operators doing these two things that he's going to share with you today. Devin, welcome back to the show. We're going to jump right back in. I want to remind the listeners, though, hey, go back and listen to yesterday's show. Uh, Devin actually, uh, who dove into uh, a deal that they're closing right now, it's 300 units. And he lays out a number of aspects about that deal, even raising the money, some some key points about raising the capital and things they're doing now that I know is going to be helpful to you uh, as you are growing your syndication business and your investor list and want to stay in front of them. Uh, But Devin, you know, recently, um, you have, or, or I don't know how recent uh, you and I have talked about it, but you you all pivoted into into maybe some other asset classes. I know you and probably you and I both were very multifamily focused, right, and have been for a long time. Uh, but you all have gotten creative, right, and, and done a couple of other things. I want to dive into that, uh, and and even the the thought process of being able to to pivot, right? You know, and and doing some other things. That I feel like sometimes we can be so you know, have the blinders on, right? We're so focused uh, and think this is the only route. This is the only path doing multifamily deals the way we've been doing them the last however many years. um, And a lot of that's changed, right? Uh, The way we're doing deals now. So uh, give us some, you know, some of the ways that you all recently pivoted and let's dive in on those.
0: Yeah, sure. So it's interesting. It's, you know, I would advise someone that's starting to have the blinders on, right? Yeah. I think in anything that you're trying to develop mastery. And so I think it's tempting when you're starting real estate investing, oh my gosh, there's a, there's a thousand things on the menu. And is this one better? And you're, you're running around with shiny object syndrome. I think we're all susceptible to that early on where, you know, our company is, or was a, a number of years ago, we kind of had already developed wouldn't go so far as say mastery, but a high level of competency around buying these multifamily properties and all the things that entails, operations and the equity and, and all that stuff. Um, but at some point, you know, I'm running this company and saying we're, we're putting a lot of eggs in the basket of being able to find another 200-unit deal. And, you know, we don't want to be, we don't ever want to be in a position to have to buy a deal for fees or whatever. Um so you know what does that look like and it just kind of worked out for us that I had met a broker in 2020 and bought a ranch in South Texas um and I don't know it was almost uh I was almost just compelled to do it it was almost like a god thing like I just felt this overwhelming urge to buy this ranch and I couldn't I would even have these conversations with myself like what what this makes no sense what am I doing here I just feel like a field of dreams here if you build it they'll come I have to buy this ranch and i i don't know what it was it turned out to be one of the best things for family you know it's a, me and my boys go out there and hunt and in the beginning we camped and then we end up putting a house on it so really amazing experience great place to get away really rough terrain all that but through that and being very compelled to kind of buy that ranch personally for the family developed a great relationship with that broker and right after we bought our ranch i said hey you know could we buy one of these and and then sell it for a profit. You know, if we bought hundred acres, well, not everybody wants to buy hundred acres. Somebody might want to buy 25 acres and they'll be paying, they'll be willing to pay more per acre for smaller. And, you know, we got a real salesman uh, on board with our broker and he's like, absolutely. Let's do some deals. You know, he's going to get to do both ends of the transaction. I'm a cash buyer. He's loving it. So we went out and did a couple little deals, you know, hundred acres, 150 acres, 300 acre deals prove the model out and, and the, couldn't be any simpler. You know, if we're buying something at 5,000 an acre, buying a hundred acres, we might sell three tracks at 8,000 an acre. And, and, and what you're doing is you just, you're, you're creating a smaller piece of land that has a different buyer pool. We're not building houses on it. We're not getting plats and, and doing a bunch of improvements necessarily. Simply just t- taking it from one kind of buyer pool to another Think about it like a wholesale retail. You know, we're buying a lot of it. We're selling smaller pieces of it for a higher price. So that was it. And, and that was, um, it, it made money. And not only that, it was super fun. And we got all these ranches, you know, we got all these places to go hunt on, go camp on. That's a lot of fun. I love our brokers. He's become a friend. We, you know, go on hunting trips and go play golf together. So like all the things you want in a, in kind of a business relationship, we're there. And then, you know, after having some success on our own account, took it to our our investor relations and said, hey, do you think people would be interested in doing these land deals with us that you know, there's no bank involved It's not equity. We'll just pay them eleven percent on their money and we'll be in and out in a year. And we started launching those to our investor base and uh, they liked them. So now you know, we've done, I mean just tens of millions of dollars of transactions of, of of land now um using that same model. and um you know they're not the type of deals where we're 10x in money or anything like that, but they're enough, I've done enough real estate deals over the years. There's meat on the bone. Everybody involved can win. The investors like it because they're it's debt and it's short term. You know, it's not this long term. And then you know we get to make a little money off them on quicker turns. That bottom line to kind of bring it full circle makes us less dependent on having to do a multifamily deal. Whole company's based around doing multifamily deals, but we can go do these land deals to supplement. And it does two things. It it gives us deals for the company to keep churning away on deals, making some money. And then it gives us another menu item for investors. And, and I mean, I said on our, one of our other segments, Whitney, that, you know, we'd like to buy a deal a quarter, two deals, a quarter multifamily, you know, we're gear, we're, we're, we're ready to go for that kind of stuff. Yeah. We but,
1: to...
0: Yeah, but you, just, you can't find them. And yeah. now you're looking at a deal a year or two deals a year, man, that's a lot of dead time for those investors to just be reading your newsletter without anything to sink their teeth into. So now with the land stuff, we might have eight land deals in a year. Now they're smaller, a million dollars, two, $3, $4 million, but it's something to get out there. And what we're hearing from investors is like, Hey, yeah, you know, we just, we like you guys. We want to keep rolling the money and we're coming out of this, you know, what what do you got? And so just being able to be in front of people all the time with that debt offering, um, has been really great for the, for the firm. Really, really great for the firm and for the investors, it's just another menu item for them to for them to look at. It's optionality. It's optionality for the investors. It's optionality for us. Um, and, and you know, compared to multifamily, it's been pretty minimal from like a management perspective. Yeah.
1: I know. love that part of it, too. You know, it's it's probably I would imagine much less due diligence uh, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, as well. So it's just less less required of your team to go to produce some transactions here that that. Uh, that's producing some some returns for your investors, uh, you're right, you know, and for you all. Uh, and so, uh, you know, can you speak to the structure of that a little bit? Uh, and because I was thinking about, you know, how you're getting getting investors involved in that now, and how it's structured with them a little bit.
0: Yep. So we just set up a five hundred six B debt offering, and we just had the attorney draw it up to say, hey, we're going to launch this company. It's gonna we're going to raise just like a multifamily syndication. We're going to sell shares in it, thousand bucks a share. 50, 50 share minimum come in and we're raising this much money. Here's our sources and uses. Um, we're going to pay 10% while we're in it. So 10% annualized, monthly distributions, 12 months out, exit. We got one point on the exit there. So, you know, kind of a standard PPM like you would expect to see on a multifamily deal. Um, you know, our attorney, we've kind of Reduced our costs a little bit just because it's rinse and repeat, same thing every time. So it's it's we're not we're not into it for the cost that we'd be on like a full multifamily deal. Also, there's not all these lender negotiations. I mean, when you're hiring your syndication attorney on a thirty million dollar apartment, you know a lot of that bang for the buck is man all the back and forth with lender counsel, right? right. I would not, you know, <laughs> you got to have the right person on the team to be running that. But on these land deals, like there's there's literally not a lender. There's not as much due diligence. It's just hey, we're raising this bucket of cash. I'm usually in for call it a twenty percent co-invest. If we're raising a million bucks for a piece of dirt, I've got two hundred k in there, and then we're just we're just going out and buying it cash and subdividing it and selling it. Yeah, so
1: you're not raising on a per deal basis. Uh, obviously, they're so, a lot smaller, so uh, that would probably not be cost efficient to do that. But so you're raising a fund that's open all the time. Well, we're both.
0: We actually are raising per deal uh, on the lens. Okay. and and usually that it's it's at least a million bucks. Uh, and like I mentioned, it's kind of a rinse and repeat deal on the legal docs, so that the cost is not. It, uh, uh it's not egregious there but we a million's kind of our threshold to say hey it we even kind of have our systems internally it's like is this syndicated or not syndicated if it's a land deal for 400k we're i'm just gonna buy that cash if it reaches that seven figure all in mark okay we're probably gonna throw that out to investors and maybe put you know five, 10, 15 folks on that deal uh with us so we are doing that per per project it's a little yeah i mean it's syndication you know um yeah but it's it's so rinse and repeat for us that we kind of have it all dialed in. We've got our our costs dialed in, and it it works. Uh, we, and then we do have a fund, which is kind of a separate thing. But uh, yeah, we've been doing these ranch deals, just kind of one off uh, one off syndications.
1: Okay, so you all will do a uh, a debt deal or a fund on each of these land transactions, but then you also have a debt fund that's just open all the time. Is that right?
0: yeah, it's open all the time. And, you know, I wanted to do this for years just to have some flexibility and and have cash to be able to execute on some stuff. I just was never comfortable being on on the clock, I guess, for it. you know? I, in my mind, I wanted to have a fund where if you contribute to the fund, it's paying out. you know? um, I didn't and I know folks will do funds where they're subscribing it, but they're not calling capital. I, I don't want to be in a situation where, you've committed a hundred thousand to me and I'm not going to tell you when I need it. And and I'm going to come back seven months later and go, all right, Whitney, we're ready for your money. And you go, well, shoot, man, I, you know, I made other plans or life got in the way or whatever. So I like, I like to get capital in and immediately start it's on the clock for investors. So that means we need to kind of have a lot of deal flow. So what we were able to do is basically, you know, four buckets of types of deals. We'd occasionally do some small one-off stuff maybe it's commercial maybe it's single family um pretty rare but just outright cash purchases and then a, a value add and an exit or a value add and a refinance to take the fund out land deals you know we' we're, we're buying rural land that we're not syndicating or we're buying um, land that we're going to develop so we' we've, we've been doing industrial contractor garage Flex type projects and you know we might be into a piece of dirt for a million bucks. And there's six months that we've got to be in it and doing all our stuff with the civil engineer and with the city and getting, you know, all the boxes checked on on all our pre-development work. You know, that might be six months where you don't want the whole capital stack raised, but you you do need 500 or a million bucks to, to lock up the land and stay in it. And then we kind of capitalize it fully when we're ready to when we're ready to uh, put shovels in the ground. So that was you know, industrial is another one. And then there's potential too, where uh, we haven't deployed into this yet, but we expect to where, hey, we're getting a low leverage loan at say fifty five percent. We're going to bring some of that fund in to take it up to sixty five percent so we can get a little bit better leverage and and make a little better return for the equity in the deal. And in that respect, it's acting kind of as our own little PREF equity bucket that can still produce, you know, we're trying to put the our fund out at 12%. So it's still a little bit better than we could get third-party PREF equity and a lot less fees and headache and everything like that, still produce a yield. Um, and so those there was enough different asset types for us to put the fund into to, to say, yeah, let's go through the... Let's go through the legal expense and everything of setting this up. And then uh, the, so that's the benefit for us is just more optionality to get into deals and enough types of deals that we're doing in our backyard here in San Antonio to be able to deploy that. And then for investors, it solves the problem of, okay, you come in, you talk to us, sounds good. You're excited. You got hundred grand you want to put into a deal. Well, hopefully we'll find a deal. Watch your email. That's a bad experience, right? Yeah. and then you do watch your email, and if it's a smaller deal, it fills up overnight. And you missed it, and if you're a new investor with us, it's like, well, that, that wasn't a great experience. So now, on every call, we could say, well, listen, you know, we do multifamily, we do land stuff, but there's a debt fund right now. If you want to try us out, again, optionality, another menu item. So we've grown that right now. Uh, we're at about eight and a half million dollars. We'd like to take that fund to twenty five million. So not not a huge fund. I talked to a. Equity uh, provider yesterday, and they're like, "Yeah, we're raising a two hundred million dollar discretionary fund. We don't know what we're going to use it for, but we're gonna start raising it now. We think there's going to be some deals." And I was like, "Well, okay, yeah, and it sounds sounds good." Um, so different strokes for different folks. So you know, but it's it's we've been around long enough. We've got enough types of deals to deploy it into that I feel comfortable being able to to have it about eighty percent. Eighty percent of the cash in that fund deployed at any given time to be able to kind of make the numbers work.
1: That's awesome because that would be my concern, right? Is like being able to get it deployed fast enough because these investors yep. are earning immediately, yep. uh, and yeah, and obviously you don't want to do a bad deal, right? Or be or, you know feel like you know be pressured, right? Uh, but if you got enough deal flow that you can count on, uh, you know, obviously that's that's the key, right? Uh, yep. But it sounds like you know this could be used for a number of different asset classes, potentially, right? For you all to be able to maintain getting it out, right? uh, Out of your own team.
0: Definitely. I think, you know, the common denominator of the fund is we own it and control it. And I think that's, you know, I would say one of the big selling points of the fund is we're not going to go do a hard money loan with it. We're not going to go do pref equity with it. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just, we don't want to, we don't want to extend that responsibility to other operators. We say, hey, this is our fund. We're committing this to our investors. These are deals that that I, Devin Elder, have title to, right, and control. One, you know, single decision maker on this stuff. So um, that's that was important to me to be able to kind of say that for the fund. But within that, hey, we've been at this for you know a decade now. We've done a lot of different deal types. We've done them a lot of times in our own account first, and then gone full cycle on a bunch to where we really have kind of feel like we've proven the model on enough different stuff to feel to feel comfortable to to deploy a fund. So it took like I said it took years for me to kind of get comfortable with having enough diversity of deal flow and the common denominators we we control it, you know. Um Yeah. So
1: And you all, you all stay pretty close to home, right? As well, as far as the deals you all are doing, it sounds like even the land flipping is, you know, pretty close to home as well. Um,
0: We do. We do. I mean, the multifamily is just about all in San Antonio. Um, And then the land stuff, it's more rural. So we're looking for 90 minutes outside of major Metro. So we might be 90 minutes outside of Houston, you know, so you're in between Houston and San Antonio. We've got um, some that's uh, 90 minutes outside of Austin. But, you know, all that stuff is still, you know, kind of central Texas. um and for the rural land stuff, it's it's a different deal. I mean, people are buying it because it's rural, you know, but yeah. still still a place they can take the kids on the weekend, in a short drive. so but it is it is pretty concentrated. You, know, we've had some internal meetings on do we want to try to expand to dallas and, and Austin? And uh, the answer is yes, if if the right deal presents itself, but uh, there's a home court advantage too on um on the stuff to be. 15 minutes away from from just about all of it.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I was just thinking through that. I love that that model. I love land as well, especially yeah. large tracks. And you mentioned yeah. ranch. I'm like, man, that's that's awesome. Uh, and so um, well, what about uh, any other ways while we're on this thought anyway, that, that you all have been creative, say over the last year or had to pivot, you know, or branch out and and, and especially if there's ways that you know what, it's like Whitney, we didn't see this coming, but we pivoted here and we're better off you know because of
0: it yeah for sure i mean i i know i just kind of discussed the whole land model but that was a real blessing right it just allowed us to do deals when maybe the multifamily bucket or or um division of the business like hey just it's not producing the deal flow like we would like and that's you know not unique to us that's everybody but we've got deal flow and profit off these other deals that that's okay. You know, and it really takes the pressure off of having to do one type of deal. So the land was a huge pivot for us, super important for our, our growth and well being over the last two years, you know, and it was, it was outside the box, but, um, that was, that was huge for us. Um, so that, that's been the big pivot for us. You know, we also started the management company, which wasn't necessarily a pivot, you know, it's just, Hey, we were, we're paying the fees. We thought we could do better. We built it. It's a lot of work. (laughs) It's not easy, but I'd still, you know, at least you're talking to me right now. I'd still rather have it and have that control and be able to, you know, email a leasing agent right now at an asset or, you know, and, and kind of have that control that makes, that makes owning the management company. So that was, that was a pivot that, that a lot of operators have, have gone through but the big one for us is just, Hey, how do we get creative on deal flow? And, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to grow investor capital. That's our product. So if there's a way to grow investor capital that we feel good about, then, you know, it's real estate and and we can kind of prove the model first on our own account, then it's something we'd, uh, we'd explore.
1: Love that! No, that's awesome. I love the creativity and being able to pivot. I think we have to, as entrepreneurs, be you know, to have our eyes open in some other ways and and, at different times through our career, right? Absolutely, Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Devin, we're going to end this segment here. I just think it's uh, incredible what you all done being able to pivot, and I hope that's uh, pushing the listeners to think through that, right? What are some other ways we can generate revenue, uh, not just for our company, but for our investors uh, as well? There may be something else, man. If multifamilies. Very slow, which it probably is for everybody listening, <laughs> you know, um, right. but uh, before we, before we head into the next segment and, and um, for tomorrow's uh, episode, uh, how can they get in touch with you and learn more about you, Devin?
0: Yeah, thanks, Whitney. The best spot would be our website, djetexas.com. So that's Delta deltajulietechotexas.com. And you can see some of the deals we're doing and uh, podcasts and, and reach out and connect with us.